Welcome to the Wealth is in the Details podcast. In this podcast, financial planner Peter Raskin helps families and business owners understand and prepare for their wealth journey. Along the way, thoughtful and detailed planning can provide clarity and confidence as clients confront a multitude of financial decisions. Listen in as Peter shares stories and insight into people's wealth journeys. Now, let's get into today's podcast. Hello and welcome to Wealth is in the Details with Peter Raskin of Raskin Planning Group. Good morning, Peter. How are you? I'm great, Eric. How are you? Oh, I'm doing fantastic. You and I were talking a little bit ago and and uh, the sun was out this weekend. And I, yeah, I, that felt really good. <laughs> uh, it feels great, but I was only out there for like an hour, and my wife is just making fun of me because I burn quickly. I, I'm very, I'm very white, so now I'm very pink. Uh, but it was very, very nice uh, to be out there and feel that sun on our faces. And I know that you you brought David Fay on the show today, and I'm I'm really excited to hear what he has to say. And again, we were talking before the podcast. You said you guys have been working together for like 15 years. Yeah, it's a, been a great relationship, and David has helped us, so many of our clients. Fantastic. David, thank you so much for coming on the show today. Well, it's a pleasure to be here. Thank you for having me. Yeah, absolutely. Peter, why did you bring him on the show? What does, what does David do for you and your clients? Good question. Uh, David is a, uh, a mortgage loan officer with a Washington Trust Mortgage Company. He helps our clients and many, many other people get mortgages for their residences and for their investment properties and their second homes. And it, it, with interest rates, this is now the, the first weekend in, in May, uh, where we're just past the first weekend in May. And uh, interest rates are, are down probably to the lowest point they've almost ever been in. A lot of our clients are looking at either refinancing or if they are buying properties, which is a little tough to do right now due to the uh, coronavirus uh, and, and the lockdown that we're experiencing. But if they are able to do that, mortgages are, are really advantageous right now. So I thought it'd be a good time to, to hear uh, from an expert. And so that's why I brought David on. Fantastic. Well, I'm here to learn because I, I could always use a little bit more knowledge on real estate. I've got a couple pieces of property and you never know what to do. So exactly, <laughs> I, I'm here to learn. Thank you. So, so David, um, why don't you tell us a, a bit about yourself and Washington Trust Mortgage Company? Sure. Uh, Washington Trust Mortgage Company, well, we're a subsidiary of uh, the Washington Trust Company. So Washington Trust was founded in 1800. And it's the oldest community bank in the nation. Uh, largest state chartered bank headquartered in Rhode Island. We offer a competitive, comprehensive range of financial services through our offices in Rhode Island, Connecticut, Massachusetts. And uh, I've been in the lending business for over 30 years, helping all sorts of homeowners uh, find financing solutions. And uh, I specialize in portfolio lending, non-warrantable condos, uh, conforming loans, as well as jumbos, super jumbos. And one of our specialties are doctor-physician loans. Um, and we offer adjustable and fixed rates. And one last one, uh, construction loans, too. Well, that's great. I, I, we'll go into some of the details and definitions of what, what some of those items are. But one of the reasons why I brought you on today is because um, you have always helped our clients relative to their mortgage needs. And you have exceeded expectations, our expectations, clients' expectations, uh, over that time, over this long period of time that we've known each other, and that's what businesses need to do. And so, uh, you're a trusted 
resource as far as I'm concerned. With that in mind, what I'm hoping that you can do today is help our listeners understand the mortgage marketplace and and hopefully pave that that path for a successful transaction. Absolutely. That that's what we're all about, Peter. And it's always nice working with your clients because you've gotten their financial house in order. So by the time they get to me, they're ready to go and they're all fantastic customers. So you make our world easy on this end. But you know, if someone's starting out, the best place to start really is to have a thorough discussion with the loan officer about the financing goals. You know, really, um, you know, how long do they plan on being in the home? How long do they plan on having the mortgage? What's more important, either the length of the loan or the, the uh, monthly payment? So armed with that information, we'll be able to tailor a solution to fit uh, their individual needs. For example, like on a fixed rate, you can customize the terms of your loan by selecting different amortizations, whether it's a 30, 20, uh, 25, 15, or even 10 years, while adjustable rates are amortized over 30 years. But you can select the initial term, uh, whether it's fixed for the first 5, 7, 10, or 15 years. And, and David, when you when you say um, amortization, what you're talking about is is how long the, the loan is, is outstanding, how long you have to pay it back. Exactly, that's right. And there, there, there's no prepayment penalty on these loans, so the customer could uh, pay it off at any time they like. So if they don't plan on being in the home for for 30 years, or maybe it's just a you know a, they're going to be there for 10 years, maybe they do a five or seven or 10 year arm and just borrow the money for that for that term. Generally, those interest rates are a little bit lower than a 30-year fixed. Yeah, with, with interest rates as, as low as they are now, um, in some ways, it, it seems to me to make sense to maybe pay a little bit higher and lock in your rate, even if you're only going to be in that property for you know five to seven years. Definitely. You want to buy yourself some insurance at that point, basically. So if you lock it in for a little bit longer than you think you're going to be there, you have some protection just in, as we know, life happens and uh, some other things pop up. So it's good to have that protection fixed in for a few more years so you don't have that holding over your head. Yeah. You know, sometimes if people are looking for shorter term financing, uh, another option might be a home equity line of credit or a HELOC. These options, uh, carry lower fees up front, but often higher interest rates. So it's a, it's a trade-off. It's a line of credit. Uh, so you can repeatedly uh, borrow, take money out, and then pay it back without having to get a new loan. So these are great to have in place for emergencies. Yeah, I often recommend that uh, homeowners j- just establish a HELOC. It, it does, usually doesn't cost anything or very little. And uh, why not just have access in the event of an emergency? That's it. Yeah, the best time to get a HELOC is when you don't think you need one. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then, um, you know, other other types of loans, if, if you're back into, you know, an amortizing loan, uh, often we're asked what the difference between the conforming and, and jumbo loans are. Um, essentially, it's the loan size. In most counties uh, around the country, a conforming loan size is 510400 So that that's determined by the Federal Housing Finance Agency. And it's, they review those numbers each year and set that number. So it's changing. It's continually gone up over the years. And then conforming loans, these conforming loans that are under 510400 are guaranteed by Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac and basically protect the lender against certain losses, while jumbo loans are not. 
So that's why you'll see different pricing between a conforming loan amount and a jumbo loan. So those can those can vary. Those spreads vary from time to time. So when you go to finance, you, if you're close to that conforming loan number, you want to look at rates on, on either side of that to see what works best for your situation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we, we always recommend conforming loans if it's possible. Not not always, yeah, especially in the marketplaces yeah. that, that we uh, we work in, the Boston area. Yeah, that's generally where the best rates are going to be. So, you know, we've been talking about financing single homes there, but we also have financing available for, you know, whether it's investment properties, second homes, or multifamilies, two to four units. Um, these properties can require larger down payments. And, uh, you know, if you're looking for financing for a unit greater than four units, then that's when you get into a commercial loan. Yeah. I, I When we're talking about um, investment properties, you know, sometimes we 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 talk to our, our clients about uh, 1031 like-kind exchanges where uh, someone can defer capital gains on the sale of, of an investment property. And financing uh, can also sometimes be uh, be part of that solution. Sometimes it's required to, to bring over and have an ongoing um, debt with a 1031-like exchange. And you guys can, can help with that as well, I assume. Yes, we can do that. So there, uh, with the 1031 exchange, there are some uh, time restrictions in there. So you need to be able to react quickly if there's property comes up and purchase the new one within a certain time frame. But and uh, we're able to accommodate those. Great. A, a few of the other specialty loans uh, we can customize as well are uh, our construction loans. So if your client's looking to build a home from the ground up or even a renovation loan, um, if you're just looking to add a, a, a small addition. Um, I mentioned earlier about doctor loans. So these doctor loans are, are a special, specialty that we have uh, that allows for low to no down payment options without mortgage insurance. These loans really fill a need for those new physicians whose earnings just increased, but their savings haven't had a chance to catch up. We see a lot of, uh, you know, the, the doctors who they're, they're just getting out of residency and they, they get their first, their first big position and, and they don't have, they, they still have a lot of debt out there. It's a, uh, it's, it's a very hard situation. And, and these kind of specialty loans really, really do fill that need. Absolutely. We also have uh, do loans to foreign nationals or non-U.S. residents. Those have been pretty popular lately. Uh, so whether the client's looking to purchase a second home or in some cases a condominium for their child while they're in college. Um, but these, these loans can require, for the foreign nationals, require down payments of 40% or more. And then, you know, another option for, uh, say, for seniors might be a reverse mortgage. I'm sure you've heard about those in the news. Uh, but those that's for, for homeowners who are 62 and up. Uh, and they can tap a portion of the equity in their home and turn it into cash without incurring a monthly payment outside of insurance and real estate taxes. Yeah, I think the, the reverse mortgage is really an interesting option for, for a lot of uh a lot of seniors who are looking to for some additional cash, we 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 find that they don't always fit the uh, f- fit our clients' objectives. But but uh, when they do, they're really imp- an important consideration. Yeah, it's been a great development, and you know, to to help the seniors stay in their Absolutely. homes. Absolutely, David. You know, you you guys have a lot of different uh, products available. Uh, one of the things that 
you know, our clients are always asking is, um, you know, what are the costs? You know, and, and, you know, some of the obvious things are points and closing costs. Could you talk in detail about about these these costs? Because there is a cost to taking out a loan. Yeah, Peter, closing costs definitely add to the overall funds required to close. Uh, typical, there are typical fees such as appraisal, attorney, title search, title insurance, recording fees, and potentially escrows for real estate taxes and homeowners insurance. Um, there could also be points charged in conjunction with the rate you choose. For instance, uh, the bank may offer a lower interest rate in exchange for a point or two paid at time of closing. So one point equals 1% of the loan amount. And if you plan on being in the home for a long time, it may make sense to pay points in exchange for lower rate over the life of the loan. So depending on how long you're going to be in the home, that, that point could pay for itself and you could save the cost of the point plus a lot more money. Um, if you make less than a 20% down payment, your lender may require mortgage insurance. Mortgage insurance protects the lender against loss if the borrower defaults. And uh, mortgage insurance can be paid by the borrower monthly in a lump sum at closing or by the lender in exchange for a higher interest rate. It's a good idea to look at each option. Yeah, I think uh, these expenses, the, the, the expenses of, of actually um, taking out a, a new mortgage or refinancing really comes into uh, play, especially um, trying to determine whether one should refinance or not. So we're seeing advertisements right now of very, very low interest rates. Uh, but it, because of the expenses of, of, uh, of, of, of refinancing a, a home, there is often a, a, a payback period. And if that payback period is, um, you know, is, is a long time, maybe it's not worth refinancing, even though there's a, a, a lower interest rate available. Uh, but, but if there is, uh, if, if that payback period is fairly short, maybe it does make sense to do it. Yeah, I think, I think it, you know, every lender is trying to show their interest rates in the best light possible. So uh, when you see something in the paper, you want to dive in a little bit deeper and see what costs are involved because those aren't always advertised. Yeah, that's for sure. Uh, David, what what drives the decision to amortize a, a mortgage over 10, 15, or 30 years? Yeah, Peter, that, that's, another, that's another great question. So a lot of people default to the 30-year fixed rate just because that's what they're used to hearing. That's what they think they should shop for. But, uh, you know, for, for some people, it may be an aversion to debt and wanting to pay it off as soon as possible. So they may want a shorter term. Um, and then other people may want to have a lower payment. And so the lower payment would be associated with a longer-term payback. Um, typically, the shorter the term, the lower the interest rate. Although in our current environment, with the interest rates fairly flat yield curve, there's not a big difference between the short and long-term rates. So going back to your previous point, it might make sense to go a little bit longer term to uh, get yourself some of that protection. What I try often to, to talk to clients about is the kind of the options of, of that 15-year that versus a 30-year mortgage. And even if interest rates are similar for the longer-term mortgage, They'd be just be paying a lot more interest over the life of the mortgage. It, to me, it becomes almost like a a real no risk savings plan to have that shorter amortization if you can afford the cash flow. 
Right. Yeah. That, and that's so. If the fifteen is the the cash flow is a little too much for you, it it's a good idea to maybe look at that twenty year fixed rate. Because a twenty yeah. year could have a, a lower interest rate than the than the thirty, but slightly higher than the fifteen. Yeah, that you can really in today's world we can almost you can almost design any mortgage that that's that's appropriate for you. Yeah, and that's why it's really important to have that conversation up front with your loan officer just to narrow down what your goals are for the for the house, for the financing, how long you want to have it. It's real important to have a have a good thorough conversation with your loan officer up front so you're choosing the right term for your needs. How much should customers put down and how how does that affect the rates? So mortgages are priced based on risk. The less you put down, the riskier the loan is for the lender. So you'll see higher rates with lower down payments. A customer should put down as much as they're comfortable with, but 20% is a good benchmark. Uh, one of the mistakes I see when a client wants the best rate possible, uh, so they decide to uh, save for a larger down payment. In the meantime, interest rates have gone up. Uh, so even with the larger down payment, they may end up with a higher interest rate. Moral of the story is to not purchase a home based solely on rates. Buy it when you're ready. I think that's absolutely the case. You you just can't you just can't time interest rates, and you, sometimes you you just have to go for it. If you found the the property that you that you really want and it's the right time, you just have to go for it. Right. Yeah. I see a lot of people trying to finagle, try to figure out when that low point is, and in the end, it might only be a difference of twenty or thirty dollars a month in their monthly payment. So not a big yeah. not a big difference. David, how does credit score influence the rates? Yeah, we hear so much about about my credit score. Uh, I, I'm I'm getting uh, emails probably once a week about my uh, about my credit score, and you know how can I improve it and all that. So, what wh- what does that really mean? Yeah, as we, as we talked about mortgages uh, being priced based on risk, so credit scores directly reflect the risk in a loan. You know, does the borrower have a history of paying their debt obligations? What's the likelihood the lender will be paid back? You know, a credit score above 740 will make you eligible for some of the best rates on a conventional loan, where a jumbo loan can have pricing improvements for scores up to 800. So a credit score could be considered your financial reputation. What are the best ways to, to make sure that your, your credit score remains high? Are there are there strategies that uh, that one can uh, one can take and 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 if if your credit score is is lacking uh, for for a variety of reasons, what can you do to get it back up there? Yeah, so you know some of the basics are just what you think they'd be. You know, make your payments on time. Uh, don't carry a lot of a lot of debt. For instance, on a, on a credit card, if you can keep your uh, balance below 50% of the overall credit line, that's going to be a help. Uh, if you can not open a lot of credit cards, that will help be helpful also. And also on the converse side, if you've had uh, a credit card for a long period of time, you don't want to close that out right before you go to get a mortgage because a credit card that you've had for a long time with a good payment history, if all of a sudden you cancel that, then that comes off your credit history. That's really that's really helpful because we often have a lot of questions uh, from our clients about about credit scores and uh, and how how they're just 
confused and and uh i i think they as you say just pay your credit cards on time <laughs> that's it pretty simple i do want to mention um that interest rates for uh for mortgages may be deductible and that's advantageous for for having a mortgage um and I and I, I thought I would just uh, chime in to, to describe those deductible rules. So for mortgages taken out after December fifteenth, two thousand and seventeen, uh, the first seven hundred and fifty thousand dollars of a mortgage is uh, the interest is deductible. So that's really helpful. It used to be a million dollars prior to uh, two thousand and seventeen, but that re- that got changed. So now the deductible. The, the limits are a little bit different. HELOC loans were also deductible, and um, and they still may be if they're used to to if 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 they're if that debt is used to buy or build or substantially improve your home. So you have to really look at the nuance of the of the mortgage that you have to determine if the interest rate is deductible. And and I will say this for a lot of our clients, interest no matter what their interest rate is. It may not really be deductible because of the of the tax laws. Uh, they may be filing under uh, the standard deduction rules, which means that they don't get to itemize, and therefore the the mortgage interest deduction may not apply to them. Mm. The interest deduction is helpful, but for for a lot of people, it's really not going to be that applicable. So I just wanted to mention that. Good point. When a customer comes to you, you have that initial conversation, David. What should they expect from from a mortgage process? Describe this whole process. What do they need to do? Right. The, well, the application process can be fairly paper intensive, and I, I find the more documentation we receive up front, the faster and cleaner our approvals are. So, you know, the basic information uh, required verification would be income and assets. You know, for income. Probably the last two years, your personal and business tax returns, W-2s, 1099s, K-1s, and the current pace number two. For the assets, we'll be looking for the two months most recent bank and investment statements. After after we have the client complete the online application and submit submit the required documents for an approval, either with the completed appraisal, excuse me, let me start that section over. After completing the online application and submitting the required documents, an approval with the completed appraisals routinely issued, say, within 30 days. A client who uh, provides thorough documentation up front can expect to receive this commitment uh, much sooner than that. So talk to your loan officer, let them know your time frame so they can ex- expedite the process if you need financing a little bit quicker. Once we receive the application, we're required to issue disclosures within three days. So the, this is uh, one of the most important disclosures that the customer will receive throughout the process. It's called the lending estimate. So this document will receive within three days. Uh, it estimates line by line the anticipated monthly payment and closing costs associated with the loan. So it's, you know it's a great summary of the transaction. Allows easy comparison between uh, lenders' offers. So you can kind of see which lender is charging what and see what option is going to work best for you. So the the lending estimate is received at the time of application. Closer to closing, you're going to receive a closing disclosure, and that's required to be sent to the borrowers three business days prior to the scheduled closing date. The closing disclosure has the final details of the mortgage program and costs. 
that's the one that everybody's really interested in. How much am I going to have to bring to closing? Absolutely. David, should, should the customer hire their, their own attorney for the closing? Yeah, Peter, that's um, best left up to the borrower to decide. The attorney's fees listed in the, in the closing costs and that lending estimate are for the lender's attorney. Uh, many times the lender's attorney will also offer buyer representation for a separate fee. Uh, I would highly recommend uh, getting buyer representation on a purchase. You know, there's a lot of money on the line, and this is one of those times you don't want to do it yourself. And what 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 kind of fee is that typically? Is it is it a percent? Is it a is it a flat fee? A lot of the attorneys, uh, some I've seen, some of them will include it in the overall fee. Some of them have a separate line item, maybe six hundred and fifty dollars for buyer representation. It can vary from from attorney to attorney. Yeah. But just you just want to make sure you're protecting yourself, as you say. This is a this is a big transaction. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I think the the key to the process is just gathering all the information that's necessary, and that can be overwhelming. But it's required. I mean, there's just no way around it. You, the the banks need to verify information, so they're just going to come back and at the uh, the borrower asking for verification of lots and lots of items. Are you able to accept those items electronically? Yeah, that's a that's probably the best way to get them is electronically. Send them over, uh, you know, on a secure link. Sometimes the bar, uh, the lenders will have a site you can upload them directly into the loan application. Chances are most clients will have all their information electronically now, so it's a little bit easier actually to to upload documentation. And these are all things that we need to verify uh, when the bank makes a loan. The regulators will you know, want to know how we made the loan and how we determined the loan. And we need that backup documentation uh, to back up our, our decision. Sure, absolutely. Uh, many of our clients and listeners may not have that much earned income. They may be retired or semi-retired, uh, but they still may have significant assets and it, it still may make sense for them to have a, a, a mortgage. And so um, h- how does earned income affect uh, affect this process you know can 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 someone still borrow without without actually having a lot of earned income right the number one way a lender uses to determine a borrower's ability to repay is by calculating a debt to income ratio this ratio should be at least uh at 43 percent or less of their gross monthly income for the payment so for in- earned income, it's pretty easy to calculate this ratio, but for those borrowers who have significant assets and little earned income, it becomes a little more challenging. For these borrowers, we can add up their eligible assets, such as savings, retirement funds, stocks, bonds, mutual funds, uh, that they have unrestricted access to. Uh, we can then take that sum and calculate uh, a return on investment or uh, to come up with a hypothetical monthly income. We can then, uh, this asset depletion program can be the perfect solution for those borrowers with significant assets, but don't show much income on their tax returns. So so basically it sounds like uh, in order to borrow, uh, someone has to have assets that can be used to pay back that loan if they don't have a source of current income. That's right. We, again, we have to we have to show how we came to a decision, how this borrower is going to repay that loan. 
So, so we talked a little bit, David, uh, earlier about refinancing, and, and could you just talk a, 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 a bit about just you know when someone should consider refinancing for that lower interest rate? What goes into that calculation? Yeah, uh, anytime interest rates are low like they are now, uh, it's a good time to explore refinancing. If you're if you're in an adjustable rate mortgage, you may want to look at refinancing into a longer term adjustable, or even into a fixed rate. So be sure to look at the different terms. Uh, as shorter terms will carry those low lower interest rates. When we talk about a, a payback period, could you could you describe that? Yeah, uh, payback or break even is the time it'll take you to realize enough savings to cover the cost of a refinance. Even if current rates are lower than what you're paying, you'll want to calculate the break even period to see if you'll actually save money. So yeah, I mean we're often see, seeing um, the no points, no closing. You know, having the the closing costs wrapped into the mortgage. You know, what what is the best way to go? Right. So we were talking before about the closing costs. Well, uh, refinancing a mortgage costs money. So there are three ways to pay for it. So you can either pay for the closing costs out of your pocket. This will most likely save you the most money over the long term. Number two, you could roll the closing costs into the new mortgage. This will save you out-of-pocket money, but you end up paying interest on that extra money you add to the loan. And three, ask your lender if they offer a no points, no closing cost loan. Sounds too good to be true. Well, almost. In some instances, a lender can price your loan at a higher rate, which would provide a rebate large enough to cover the closing costs. While your break-even period may be immediate, the higher rate wouldn't offer as much savings as you paying the closing costs out of pocket with the lower rate. So you want to take those all into account. Yeah, I think so, so much depends upon how long you see yourself in that property with that mortgage. You know, if, it, if it's a, a longer term, uh, then paying up front may actually be uh, a much better decision. Absolutely. Talk it through with your loan officer. Yeah, exactly. David, you've been a great service provider. You, you, you just you prepare our clients for the process. Uh, they feel comfortable with you. They trust you. We do as well. So what makes you and, and Washington Trust different? And then, you know, how does someone reach out to you? Right. Thanks, Peter. Uh, it's been a, a joy working with you and your clients. Everybody is so prepared. Your clients are top notch. Uh, it's been great. You know, Washington Trust is, is, is a Rhode Island-based bank headquartered in Westerly, Rhode Island. We're actually the nation's oldest community bank established in 1800. We offer a range of conventional mortgages along with our own portfolio loans where we make all the decisions locally. This allows us to make fast, common-sense decisions that many other lenders can't. Best way to get a hold of me, uh, I hate missing calls, so my mobile number is best. Call or text me at 617-429. Two zero five nine. Otherwise, send me an email at dfay at washtrustmortgage.com. Thanks for having me, Peter. I truly appreciate it. Oh, it's been it's been our pleasure, and I will say that uh, if uh, a listener does want to get in touch with uh, me, or I can r- refer you on to David, uh, please reach out. Uh, my direct contact is six one seven seven two eight. 7433 and you can certainly check us out on at our our website at raskinplanning.com 
and our contact information is there as well. So David, it's really been a great pleasure. Uh, you, we've worked with you for, for all this time and uh, you're just a great resource. I know I call you all the time with questions about uh, mortgages. Uh, oftentimes you can help our clients. Sometimes it's, uh, most recently I called you about a client in New Jersey and uh, you guys aren't licensed to, do, to work there, but it, the information that you gave me was really helpful. So thank you for being a, a, a great service provider as well as a great resource for our firm. So thank you very much, David. Thanks, Peter. Peter and David, this was fantastic. Thank you so much for taking the time to do this podcast. David, what a fantastic guest you've been. Um, I, obviously, if Peter's been working with you for 15 years, that's something to say. Uh, I, I've known Peter for quite a while. Just an amazing guy to be podcasting with, and I have a good time with him. Peter, it's so interesting. You brought up that the best way that clients can get documents to David. And I know on the last podcast, we actually spoke about the technology that you guys use at Raskin Planning Group for your clients. And if I'm not mistaken, it's called the vault, right? Yeah, exactly. And, and that's so that's something that they can organize all their documents. And David, you said that the clients can actually submit all that stuff to you digitally, correct? That's right. Yeah. Man, that's beautiful <laughs> because you've got the technology on both sides that it's pretty easy to work with Peter's clients, I would assume, because they've got these documents in the vault ready to go. You say, okay, these are what we need. I'm assuming, Peter, they would be reaching out to you saying, hey, this is what I need. Can you help me get this out? Or you've got staff members that can help them. Or I know that you also train your clients to, to be able to use that vault. How, how does that work? Do you just then help them shuttle those documents over digitally to David? Yeah, I mean, they would have to do it themselves because it's a different portal to mm -hmm. uh, to the mm -hmm. bank's uh, information. But yes, we would help them do that. It, oftentimes, the bank will request uh, current statements on their investment portfolios, mm -hmm. and and we have all that. So we would uh, forward it to the client and work with them uh, and help them upload the information. So we try to make it as easy as possible. Yeah, and, and David, I, I'm assuming it, it's got to be a whole lot easier that way than, than dealing with someone like me who's like, okay, now it's going to take me a week and a half to find all these documents in a drawer someplace in my house, and uh, then I just bring you a big mess of paperwork and say, okay, what do you need out of this? Right. How do you help those clients, David, figure out which documents that they need? Is that something that comes directly from you, or is it a, a group of people that are going to be communicating with them, or do they have one point of contact? Right. We'll, we'll set them right up front and give them a list of the documents that we'll need. Uh, oftentimes, I'll, I'll be directly in touch with their accountant or with Peter, and Peter can send the documents you know, with their authorization directly to me, or the client could upload them securely to the application that they completed online. Awesome. That's probably the best way to go. That way, they're secure. Yeah, super easy, secure. I think that's fantastic. David, if you haven't heard uh, the last podcast that Peter put out, it was all about technology and the different things that they use and also just kind of some thoughts and ideas for uh, the common person, you know, and what you can do to make yourself safer. So you should go back and listen to it. And audience, you should as well. But one last time, David, I want to thank you for being here. And Peter, I want to thank you for bringing him on. Absolutely. Thank you. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure. You bet. And I want to thank you, of course, the listening audience for tuning in to the Wealth is in the Details podcast with Peter Raskin. If you have not subscribed to the podcast yet, please click the subscribe now button below. This way, when Peter comes out with a new podcast, it'll show up directly on your listening device. This makes it much easier to share these podcasts with your friends and family. Again, thank you so much for listening today. For everyone at Raskin Planning Group, this is Eric Johnson reminding you to live your best day every day. And we'll see you next time. 
Thank you for listening to the Wealth is in the Details podcast. Click the subscribe button below to be notified when new episodes become available. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of Lincoln Financial Advisors Corporation. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning. Peter Raskin is a registered representative of Lincoln Financial Advisors. Securities offered through Lincoln Financial Advisors Corporation, a broker, dealer, member SIPC. Investment advisory services offered through Sagemark Consulting, a division of Lincoln Financial Advisors, a registered investment advisor. Insurance offered through Lincoln Affiliates and other fine companies. Raskin Planning Group is not an affiliate of Lincoln Financial Advisors. Lincoln Financial Advisors Corporation and its representatives do not provide legal or tax advice. You may want to consult a legal or tax advisor regarding any legal or tax information as it relates to your personal circumstances.